Hello and welcome to our latest Mama Africa episode. Today we are joined by Dania and Noor to speak about Egypt, what happened then, what's happening now, and what is to come. Awesome. Um, so guys, we know there's a lot that has happened in Egypt over the past nine years. So for all our listeners, possibly who do not know, can you catch up, catch us up from what happened from t- the 2011 protest and kind of like a timeline up until now, so 2020? Of course. So the, the 2011 protest started in Jan 25th. It was part of the Arab Spring movement. Um, it was a very popular uprising where uh, people from all different walks of Egyptian society uh, took part in. It was a very popular movement. Um, I think it was a time where really everyone became invested in politics in a way that we'd never seen before, at least in my lifetime and in the past at least 20, 25 years. Because Hosni Mubarak had been in power for so long, people had just grown so apathetic to politics. And uh, so the 2011 uprising was really huge, a, a huge movement. Um after that, uh, the the Hosni Mubarak stepped down on February eleventh, two thousand and eleven, and then we had a couple of interim presidents, um, followed by a, a a democratic election where uh, Morsi was elected. It's I think it should be fair to say that people didn't really uh, feel like they had enough um, choices. There was. Uh, I forgot the, there was a there was Musa who Amr Musa who was uh, who was basically was a continuation of the Hosni Mubarak uh, regime. Morsi who was um, Muslim Brotherhood, and a lot of people felt like they weren't uh, being represented by either candidate. Um, at the end of the day, Morsi had won the election. Uh, his presidency was interesting. Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't reflect. I don't. I don't know any. It was. It was a strange presidency, and he was ousted in two thousand and thirteen. Uh, what in what some people call a coup d'état, and what others call a revolution. And then yeah. uh, President Sisi took power in uh, in in the same year, in 2013. Can I add something? Yeah, of course. About with Mursi, also because he was a Muslim Brotherhood, there's a lot of people who until now have been quite happy with politics trying to be a little bit more secular. And mm. then for him, he was it was it was changing with him. He was trying to make it. Um, it was becoming more. They're just more Islamist, and a lot of people um, weren't weren't happy with that for like a variety of reasons. Uh, one of those reasons are tourism, I think. Um, right? <laughs> I, I I think I think tourism has something to do with it because when you have when you change to like being secular and somewhat the outside world. Um, it, it, it's it's somewhat inviting to still come and to visit, but once people see it as like a religious nation, there might be a little bit more fear there. What do you think, Noor? 
Yeah, I guess I agree. I think a lot of our tourists come from uh, Europe and, well, actually, they come from everywhere. But I think people genuinely, when they go on vacation, they don't want to feel uh, worried about um, how they dress, about how they act, about, uh, for example, a lot of people drink if they can legally procure alcohol. Uh, of course, these things were not greatly affected in the first few years but but there, if, but there was concern that in general these things could be uh could be significantly impacted hmm. there's a lot there um, yeah, yeah. Was, <laughs> there definitely is. um so this is a bit off tangent as we usually do from i did i i didn't put this in the questions but you said um because Mubarak had been in presidency for a long time. 30 years, right? Yes. Wow. It's a long time. Yeah. Um, people got time in Africa, you know? You know? It's <laughs> <People laughs> true. Um, and even what you said about the protests are quite similar to what happened in Nigeria not too long ago. And one issue that a lot of us talk about and yeah, people have is even removing the president, you, you're not sure who to put in power. So when people were protesting, did they have a candidate that they were like, yes, this is the person we would like to lead us into the future of Egypt? Or was it more like we're tired of this and any, not kind of anyone can lead, but anybody, a change in system is better than no change at all. Um, I think they mainly wanted the change of system. Uh, I don't think there was any candidate. I think people were very split up about that from the get-go. Because, uh, But I think people had many similar ideals. Many similar ideals of, um, of basically a democracy, of uh, less corruption, of, you know, more human rights uh, uh, practices in general, but they didn't really group around a single person. And uh, I think a lot of the people who did participate in the, in the, in the 2011 uh, revolution have been uh, disappointed in a sense uh, because they didn't, I think they were incapable of forming a, a real political entity in a way it was very free-spirited i don't know if that makes any sense yeah it does so i guess people were just angry enough to do something about it but it was more noise than it was sort of structure if that's what i'm understanding exactly and and i think also the fact that we'd been under rule for 30 years of Hosni Mubarak, a lot of the opposition had been in prison and had been uh, marginalized from society. And I think that's always a problem when you are under dictatorship like Hosni Mubarak, uh, is that there is no opposition. You know, the opposition has either fled, has been in prison, has been tortured or or silenced in, in ways that they can't recuperate from or it's very hard to recuperate from yeah um i think that aspect of 
it being a free-spirited movement is quite important because um, we've spoken about this quite a bit that a lot of all these revolutions and uprisings, obviously they mean well. Um, they come from a good place, but it doesn't seem to always end the way the people anticipated from when they started. Um, but yeah, yes. so I'll go on to the next one. Yes. Okay. Um, obviously, one aspect of what would have propagated the protest is the unemployment rate. I was reading a bit about that, so how the unemployment, youth unemployment specifically was in 2011 compared to what it is now. So could you just tell us a bit about that? Um, yeah. Um, unemployment is definitely a problem in Egypt, but I think that uh, with the official number, with some some numbers or statistics, uh, kind of skew the the unemployment rate, because a lot of the uh, a lot of the people in Egypt are informally employed or do informal jobs. Um, so there's that, but I think that since. For a few years, the unemployment rate has been declining, so that's been good. Um, I think uh, even in 2020, we had a steep decline because of uh, because of the coronavirus. But now it's it, now the numbers are on the rise again, so uh, of, of employment. And Danny would like to say something. <laughs> <laughs> so also the unemployment rates. There's another. There's another factor <coughs> other than the informal of why it went down. Young people were finding that there weren't enough jobs for them, and they were having trouble. But economically, they've come up from this wealth of ideas, and lots of people are having start big startups now. And there's a big movement, which is actually what New works in right now. Um, and and um, people have started instead of seeking for employ just seeking for employment, using their ideas, especially those who have studied abroad, coming back with their outside ideas and starting their own things and employing their own people. So, positive economic moment. Yeah. Well, that's really good. Because, well, I I. Like, just from a Nigerian perspective, I feel like I'm learning a lot yeah. from this. Because one huge thing we have is unemployment, right? And a lot of people want to promote startups, but they, they feel because of the current state of the economy and the government, how the government is structured, it kind of frustrates businesses, basically. Um the corruption and everything like that. Would you would you say that same similar trend um, occurs in Egypt, um, or the the kind of environment, the climate is conducive for all these stuff? Um, I think there there's both. I think the 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 government is trying to promote some some startups, of course. Uh, I think there's such a rise in fintech, for example, because the government is also trying to digitize uh, the country. I mean, we have a goal of uh, digital Egypt. It's called Digital Egypt, where we want to digitize um, payments and uh, identification and all these things. Uh, mm. But on the other hand, there is a lot of bureaucracy in terms of starting a business. Um, 
and I think it's hard. It's definitely is hard to um, register and to do the legalities, and and that obviously has a factor when starting a business. You you see so many challenges challenges ahead of you uh, that I think sometimes it could be dissuading. Yeah, that makes sense. And also, you mentioned the oh, Diana, go on. Sorry, um, no, no, you say your point because it follows on directly. Yeah, I was just gonna say you mentioned the informal system of you know um, employment. So, could you speak a bit about that? Um, how does it how does it work? And I'm not saying you might know exactly how it works, but from your perspective. Uh, okay. I think a lot of people work in homes uh, as as cleaners or domestic. or domestic workers. Um, also, a lot of companies or small businesses might not really be registered legally. Uh, so I think yeah. that also has a factor. But the government is trying to. Uh, to to register those companies for tax purposes, they they need more people to pay taxes. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> priorities, priorities exactly. So I think they've been trying to. I think in the next coming few years, they they're trying to digitize the way um, people pay taxes. Uh, and mm. Danya has an important point on this. <laughs> Another big thing is also agriculture, farming mm. and stuff. That's a very informal sector. Um, and something that's really interesting, uh, which I think me and Nur are both fam- uh, both passionate about, it's like it's it's that women a lot of the time do a lot of the work on the farms, but they're never registered as actual workers. Well, very rarely registered as actual workers. Um, mm. And women often do a lot of a lot of work that's actually unaccounted for, uh, and sometimes that that disadvantages women Mm. even within their households yeah definitely it takes away their autonomy this is like a i think a a big problem in africa in that women just do like casual work and they aren't really registered for what they're doing and so don't have their own like financial autonomy you know they're still having at the end of the day to be wives and mothers as well as breadwinners it's a very complex one with women not being, like you said, formally registered in employment. Exactly. And sometimes they work they work just as much or even harder than men a lot mm-hmm. of the time. Uh, and this is something that people say here a lot. People say that, yes, they respect women and the Egyptian woman is very hardworking. But how does that actually reflect uh, yeah. in, terms of, in terms of being paid, in terms of, you know, actually being respected as a breadwinner? Um, you know, that's a different story. <laughs> For real. Um, Diana, you're going to say something? Um, yeah, it was on the point of uh, what you were saying about, make, like, you know, ensuring that educated Egyptians are returning. You know, there's like a concept called like brain drain. And this is a massive problem in Africa in general, because those of us who can leave to get educated abroad very rarely come back because the opportunities for startups without capital, that's is so difficult to try and come back and start a business if you don't already have financial foundations. Um, also, 
it's almost sometimes like hitting your head against a brick wall. Like I want to go back to Zambia. I want to go back and work in policy making, but I can't be bothered to go back and fight the policies that exist already. So it's a really, it's a really hard cycle. It's like, I want to improve my country, but I don't see the avenues. There's so many roadblocks that it almost seems for lack of a better word, like it's too much effort. It's too hard. Of course. Yes, I think we definitely have that too. Uh, in fact, I, yeah, this is kind of personal because I was speaking to a friend recently who had uh, just moved back to Egypt and she was telling me like, I, I don't understand like how people are living off the salaries that they are. And of course, mm. in Egypt, for example, we don't have the concept of moving out until you are getting married. You are getting yeah. you're married, for example. Like we, we still live with our parents until we get married if we ever get married you know like, yeah <laughs> so that's that's a, that's a huge thing in, in Egypt um I think it's also very draining in terms of I mean I think when you go into work you're not just working to work you're you're working to also get something back in return whether it's financially or um or experience wise and in Egypt it's 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 hard to find that. I, I think it's the same in all African countries. You think, oh, all right, I'm giving back right now. I'm 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 working. I'm I'm doing my best. I'm I'm progressing my company or my country in whatever way that I can. But actually, what am I getting back in return? Mm -hmm. And I think that it might sound selfish, but I think it's very relevant because at the end of the day. We're not just here to um, to make money for the the company, the entity, the country that we're in. We also yeah. want something in return, whether it's financial benefits, whether it's uh, social security, whether it's any of those kinds of things. And it's just hard to do that in Egypt and in most African countries, I think. Yeah. Um is this sort of an issue because of political unrest or is it just because the country is not developing as it should i i think i think it's more of an economic thing i think it's for instance because when people for instance when i get hired i, I recently got hired i just started a new job when Congrats. i get hired and they decide on my salary they they don't look at me as somebody who's going to be living by myself, trying to make, you know, pay the rent by myself, pay for all my food by myself. They When they hire young people, such as myself, they see somebody who's living off their parents and who's to incentivize them and his pocket money and a little bit for saving. So they're not going to try to pay me as they would somebody who's having a house of their own and all the sort of thing. So that sort of... But this also factors into something else which is very important, which is social mobility. Mm -hmm. Somebody else who is my age but hasn't had the opportunities that I've had to study abroad and who doesn't have somebody who's going to, for instance, I don't have a work phone, uh, who, you know, the same technology that I do, the same, the same support that I do at home, the same financial support, and they have to fully support themselves they won't be able to have the same opportunities that i do and that's, mm -hmm. that that affects social mobility 
somebody so there's obviously a divide in um like socioeconomic bands huge okay and that's like a big problem in egypt is it it's yeah yeah it is it's very hard it's very challenging to to move up Mm -hmm. the ladder and you know there's there's already such a divide um and there's like social classes and it's a huge we have a growing middle class now so there's a little bit of mobility but actually going from um but 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 it's a very difficult thing to do and people uh even if you do manage to move up and get the financial capital you might not have the same access to contacts things here are done by a system called wasta which whereby you use your contacts to help you and um if you don't and it matters very much the sort of people who are around you where you live uh the people you frequent these things make a huge huge impact so it's not just about how hard you've worked and all of these things there's a there's huge other factors factors which come from the socioeconomic background which you were born into and it's very hard to escape that yeah that 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 how hard you worked is really an american ideology i don't <laughs> yeah. i don't think very much applies to the african context like you can work so hard but there's so many barriers that it's it's really a miracle for someone to go from let's say like lower class to you know success um so yeah definitely so following the political unrest that you guys have experienced over the past almost 10 years um what do you think the political state is right now how are the people uh feeling about politics in general are they happy are they unhappy what do you think i think people are returning to an apathetic state uh, in terms of politics uh i think that some people see things as uh, as stagnant some people see things are getting much better because uh economically we are doing quite well for a middle eastern country and so you're saying they're apathetic now so are we expecting less turmoil are people or do people just don't care now has it just gone that people are like there's not much i can do anymore i'm just going to do me and try the best at making my own life as an individual better i think people are mainly focused on making their individual lives better and i think that there are quite a few uh other important problems mm-hmm. uh, for example we ha- we are also fighting coronavirus at the moment uh we are also mm. for example we also have this feminist movement but i think if if anything were to happen it would override that not because of anything just because usually women's needs are overrided <laughs> um <laughs> oh but, that's so sad <laughs> yeah it is very sad uh i think also we are a country that's mainly focused on econ- economically doing better Mm-hmm. um and we can't afford any kind of uh, of economical decline even due to coronavirus like we aren't shutting down the country because we can't afford to to for our economy to collapse yeah um it's a really good uh topic you've kind of brought up in what you just said um that currently there's a there's a feminist movement going on in Egypt could you tell us a bit more about the movement and um in general sort of the state of a woman in Egypt at the moment yes i can definitely do that um the 
the feminist movement started with a small not not a small case but i mean it's a it's a it started with a case called the abz case it was a a, a young man who had harassed and threatened and sexually assaulted hundreds of women hundreds wow. of women and girls so it was it was on a huge scale um when the, when one of the one of the victims came forward it sparked other victims to come forward and there was so many screenshots so many stories so many uh just so many atrocities that we learned about from this one man uh the follow through of that was that a lot of women began speaking about their own um their own realities as an egyptian woman so for example i think as an egyptian woman actually no as an egyptian woman the statistics are that 99% of egyptian women have been sexually harassed on the street uh, 99%. 99% basically every woman yani let's let's cut to the chase uh for me as a girl i walk or cycle to my job every day um and it's quite short my my work is 10 minutes away from my house uh i am sexually harassed at least on a weekly basis um women here are followed are groped are constantly stared down by men it's a thing it's we walk around feeling like a piece of meat the way that that we're looked at it wow. and it doesn't matter it doesn't matter what you're wearing it doesn't matter any of that any of that doesn't matter i literally some when i first got back to egypt i started dressing up like a man oh my god like, avert attention <laughs> wearing like the baggiest clothes all of that sort of thing did that do anything no nothing at all it was the same level as if i was you know embracing <laughs> my femininity <laughs> <laughs> um i remember this um the story kind of coming up in on my social media so my egyptian friends were sharing it mm-hmm. um about this guy i don't actually know his name um but maybe we don't say it um but no, i remember say okay say it ahmed basim zaki good okay it's very close to home he even texted me once and i was lucky enough <gasps> that it didn't it didn't expand and it stopped because i was in the uk and i made that and you know i just said like i'm in the uk but he's like oh let me know when you come to egypt and i'm very very thankful that i didn't i'm very thankful yeah. the conversation stopped where it did but it's yeah <laughs> gosh i mean it's it's traumatizing it's like you know even you're like i'm so glad i didn't you know text him back and it even that probably sits with you a little bit like i could have been one of those girls yeah it is so scary um but i remember on social media that there was a social media influencer that was defending him i'm sure there were countless social media influencers who were defending <laughs> him uh i think that in egypt or mainly around the world it's 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 hard it's hard to speak up as a woman because you're always ruining the other person's reputation you're always ruining the man's reputation yeah um, there's a sense of guilt that comes with that there's a sense of guilt that comes with coming out about your story um and and but what i like about this movement is that it hasn't reached any it's reached literally every facet of society i know so many women and girls who now 
if someone says to them something on the street, they reply. They're like, you know what? Just please respect me and respect yourself. You know, it's mm. it's 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 becoming a thing where women and girls are just like, you know what? This is not right. Um, also, it's it's brought to light so many things. For example, we we found out uh, that domestic abuse. Uh, this domestic abuse of children is so high. Um, yeah, is very very high. Uh, so it really starts yeah. very early. Uh, the sexual harassment, uh, basically, it's just indoctrined into men and women. Like women are also when when someone is sexually assaulted on the street or someone says something they're always like oh well, what was she wearing i mean this is yeah. this is a case for everywhere but in egypt it's so high heightened it's heightened to the worst degree you know and all the blame is put on the woman all the blame is put on the woman and for the man it's 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 always considered like oh this is his nature and they're like things where yeah, it's not our nature those things so <laughs> jordan's like it's not built in i'm like it's not our nature i'm just saying no exactly nature, you're a human being you're not like <laughs> you, you know what i mean you have something called like self-restraint and if you learn to respect women yeah. from a young age and stuff you learn <laughs> not to do certain things you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you learn to respect a woman's body in a woman's space and all of these things um, it's so funny that we're having this conversation but this isn't funny but it's interesting we're having this conversation right now because I was speaking on the phone last night with my um, she feels like my sister but she's not my sister my mum's sister-in-law long story but um, she was we were talking about the, literally the same thing like sexual assault of a little girl she's like nine and she was basically phoning me to blow up basically because somebody said yeah but like her mom lets her wear short skirts wow and they were like she's an actual child like she's a baby yeah what do you mean and it's just it's so difficult to get that kind of mentality out of people i I don't understand why people aren't seeing that no it's his fault what like in what possessed him to do that to a child let you know obviously the same thing for an adult woman it's still despicable yeah but it's not this nine-year-old girl's fault that she's worn a little skirt. Yeah, for sure. And these are the women who grow up, you know what I mean? Like a nine-year-old mm-hmm. today, she's going to be 15-year-old tomorrow. And she's going to think, she might think that this is normal. She might have taken yeah. it in, internalized. Internalized. Basically, after all the political unrest, the feminist movements at the moment, um, trying to make economic headway, what are your thoughts moving forward? I think that what you was trying to say that the feminist movement is going to make some progress slowly, slowly, but there's always going to be a lot of obstacles and it's always going to be a challenge. And I think for it to keep on going successfully, we have to, as women and as people, have to take care of ourselves, take care of our mental health because we can't allow ourselves to burn out on this. Um, I, this is what I think personally. Um, we can't, we can't, we have to find... Uh, a balance between momentum in the movement and taking care of ourselves so that we can keep fighting in a positive way for positive change. That's just a funny question. Do you guys consider yourself Middle Eastern or African? That's actually a very good question and people have different 
thoughts and ideas and I've heard people having this discussion a lot and some people are saying we're not Arabs we were taken over by the Arabs and I've heard other people being like um and then but I also realized that people aren't very in tune with like the African identity so it's a very mixed mixed yeah. thing and I think it's personal what do you think I think in Egypt as well it's also geographical I think uh, in Egypt for example in the south uh, people are darker and they tend to, I think they tend to feel more African than maybe people in the north uh, yeah. we, we definitely have I think a divide in that sense where people of the south feel more African whereas people in the north might feel more Middle Eastern um, what do you think of yourself like we've actually we're sisters and we've never had this conversation I think for me uh i think i'm both i i don't i've never that much but i both maybe i'm a bit more i don't know maybe i'm a bit more middle eastern just because because we're syrian and we speak arabic and i think it's the regional uh language of arabic kind of unifies us in a way that we don't have with the african countries yeah, I can completely sympathize with that feeling. Like, because I'm originally Lebanese, but I grew up in Zambia, like born and brought up in Zambia. So the divide, like even coming to uni, I'm like, do I go to the Arabic society or do I go to the African society? Because I don't know who I am. <laughs> and it's like a weird, it's a very weird um, identity crisis kind of thing to be two things at one time, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And like, I mean, this one is, I'm, I'm very light skinned. <laughs> and sometimes I feel like people don't even include, like, people don't think of me as Arab as I am because of like how I look, because mm. I look a bit European and stuff. And sometimes I feel like I've been excluded from the identity a bit. I feel that. I feel that because of my accent. How weird. I'm like, people don't hear me and but, think Arab or African. They're just like, oh, you must be British. <laughs> no, but you have a slight African accent. Like, yeah. I can hear it. Yeah, it's under. Like, it's so, so funny. I did a, this is so off tangent, <laughs> but I was doing a anti-racism video yesterday for the university to mm -hmm. do training. And um, one of the questions they asked me was, like, tell me about your experience of being like an international student or whatever. And I was like, the one thing that is weird is every time I meet somebody here, um, they're like, always like, oh yeah, you're British, but we don't know where you're from. And then I'm like, no, 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 I'm from abroad. I'm like foreign. And they're like, oh my God. So like, how come you speak so well? And I'm like, <laughs> oh, I, sorry, I hate what? that question. It's like, yeah. I've been English. Isn't it so annoying? Literally. Like, how do you want me to speak? I don't understand. Also, also I, I like to hit them with this sometimes. Well, because of colonialism, I've been taught to learn your yeah. language. <laughs> Thank you for taking own. over my country. <laughs> yeah. Like, you guys taught us English. So, you know, for uh, obviously, Egypt has been through a lot and it's been going through a lot. Um, well, one thing we can say is you guys are far along in terms of, you know, economy. And you guys also spoke about tourism. Um, so what's your advice as Egyptians to us? Just be diplomatic about it. Make change and, and, and you know, try to make positive change. But you have to be diplomatic about it because you have to stay in the game to be able to make the change.